Amen. While we are in Leviticus, we are in Leviticus uh, chapter 5. And, uh, you know, as we've been going over the various offerings, you know, we've been going over the various offerings that, uh, that the Lord required of the Jews. We know that he had the burnt offering, the grain offering, he had the peace offering, the fellowship offering, the, the sin offering. And today we're going to be talking about the trespass offering. And I just want to begin by just talking about, about the guilt of sin. You know, we know how horrible that is, you know, as, as, uh, you know, as I walked before I came to know the Lord. You know, I know that the guilt of my sin laid heavy upon me. And I think it lays heavy upon all of us. You know, as, uh, as we have the burden of it, as, as we know they're on our shoulders and they seem to, to just weigh us down. You know, whatever you've done in the past, before you came to know the Lord, I know that, that all of the sin, all of that garbage that was on me, it weighed heavy on me. And, uh, you know, whether we realized it or not, you know, we were all held captive to that sin. And, you know, we were held captive also to that condemnation that, that we all receive because of, of the things that have happened to us or the things that we've done in the past. And you know what? It's, it's funny how sin always has a way of reminding you of your guilt. Somehow it, it reveals to us the things that we've done and, and how we try to forget about them and we try to, you know, just put them away, but somehow they're always brought to us. And what I love is that, you know what, as, as we give ourselves to the Lord, you know, one thing that the Lord gives us is freedom. And He gives us freedom when we have forgiveness, doesn't He? And, you know, I know that the enemy doesn't like that. Because the more we walk in error, the more we walk in lies, we continue to be in bondage to it. And we know that as God's Word says, as we walk in truth, we walk in freedom. And so... You know, the, the devil, he loves us in sin, doesn't he? And what's amazing about that is that he also loves to condemn you of that sin. And he's relentless, and he doesn't stop with that. And it's hard to understand why, you know, people, why they continue to, to walk in this manner, why they continue to, to walk in sin. It still baffles me. But, you know, I... Always remember, and as I share with others, you know, there's so much freedom in truth, and there's so much freedom that the Lord gives you. And I remember when I, you know, when I was there at Calvary Chapel Montebello, and I remember as I was hearing the pastor there preach, and the various times that he would give the altar call, you know, I was going there for a month, and, and I finally, you know, every time I wanted to raise my hand, there was something telling me, don't raise it, don't raise it, and you know, there was just a battle going on within me. And I remember, you know, this battle was within me. And you know what? I knew all the sins that I did. And I remember, I mean, every time I went to church, as I've shared with all of you, I mean, the remorse that I had, every time I would hear the things that were being spoken, you know, I'd just be crying because of all the things that I had done. And, and just uh, the remorse, you know, at one time I had joy over that sin. And, and now I had much remorse over it. it you know, the joy was was no longer one of joy, but it was one of, of mourning for my past sins. But I remember when I finally raised my hand and I accepted the Lord. You know what? It was so awesome. It was so joyous. And I did feel just the guilt of my sin, how it just fell off of me. And I, I had a skip to me. And I remember I couldn't wait to get home to my wife. And I got, I, I, I got in my car. I left as quickly as I can, you know, after I raised my hand and and, uh, and they, they, you know, I went to this little room and they gave me a little Bible and, and they talked to me. And, you know what, I couldn't wait to leave there because I wanted to come home and to share with my wife what had happened. And what was so awesome about that is just that I had that relief. You know, I, you know, the burden, the guilt of my sin was just, you know what, it was taken off. And that's exactly what happens because, see, Jesus has paid the price for our sins. 
You know, he died on the cross. And when he died on that cross, he paid the penalty for all of our sins. Everything that we've ever done. You know, from a little child up until now. And anything that we do in the future, he paid the price for all of that. And he forgave us of that. You know, I know that I committed the offense. You know, as I talk about this, I can still see myself doing some of the things that I did. You know, just thinking of some of the things that I did in the past. But see, we serve, we serve such an awesome God that even though you did the offense and even though you're guilty of the sin, He forgives you. You did it, but yet you're forgiven. See, this is what God calls grace. See, we're all guilty of it, but yet He showers us with His grace where He forgives us of the things that we've done, of the sin that we've committed. He doesn't ask us, you know, any questions. You know, once we say, yes, Lord, you know what? I want you in. I'm inviting you into my life. I'm opening up my heart to you. You know what? There's no more punishment for that. Isn't that amazing? I mean, for us, it's something to rejoice in. We don't have to be punished for that sin anymore. And why is that? Because he paid the price. He's the one that, that took that penalty upon himself. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the, this guilt offering, this trespass offering, and what it symbolizes in the Lord. You know, the forgiveness that came when they gave this guilt offering, this trespass offering to the Lord. And with that, let's read. Let's begin to read in verse 1 of Leviticus chapter 5. If a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. Or if a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is the carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of an unbe of a unclean livestock or the carcass of an unclean creeping things, and he is unaware of it, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness, whether uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. You know, when I, you know, when we look at this, you know, as we began to read there in verse 1, it talks about offenses, right? It talks about sins. It talks about things that we as people do that aren't right. And it mentions something there that whether we're aware of it or not, you know, sin is sin, whether you realize it or not, when, you know, when we break any of the laws that God has established through His Word, whenever you break any of them, whether you know it or not, it is sin. And so the Lord begins to share a number of these things with His people there. And I know that some of these things we may think to ourselves, man, we don't even do this stuff. We don't, you know, we don't have dead animals out there. Or we never touch these things. You know, but when we look at exactly what the Lord is trying to do with all of this and the message that He's trying to share with all of us, it definitely applies to each and every one of us. See, the Word of God is truth. I want us to understand that. Whatever is written in this Bible, it is all truth. It is inerrant and it is infallible. There is nothing false that is in His Word. And this is what we live by. This is everything that we as Christians live by and some people may think that you know what but some things aren't they're ridiculous or they can't be true you know what that's a lie of the devil everything in here is the truth and as we know as he shares with us in second timothy in second timothy three sixteen, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction, 
for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture, when it starts from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to, to, uh, to Revelation, you know what? Whatever words are written there, they are all truth. And these are all his words. And he reveals all these things so that we can know truth. See, how many of you did you know, how many of you knew before you came to know the Lord that some of the things that you were doing were actual sins, were an offense to the Lord? You know, I knew that when I was finally hearing the word of God and, you know, I didn't, I mean, for years I, I just knew of the Lord, but I didn't know his word. I was never taught his word. I never went into his word. So my whole life I was living what? In lies, right? And thinking that fables and my mother's tales and my mother's things that she passed along to me were the truth. But when I began to read the word of God, I realized that they were contrary to his word. You know, and these are the things that, that we need to understand that when we look at God's word, it is all truth. And what happens is that when we sin, we begin to break our fellowship with God. And as sin, we know that it does break fellowship with God. And so that's why Jesus Christ was sent, to restore our fellowship with, with God as we place our faith in Him. But as He begins to talk about there, the Lord begins, as the Lord is sharing with Moses about this trespass offering, He reveals to him, some sins that, that people do. And you know what? We see this all the time. In the, when you're driving on the freeway or when you have the news on, have you ever seen those signs and asking the public to say, if you've seen this person or you know of any crimes that have been committed, call this number, let us know. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about, you know what? If you know something, you know what, if somebody's committed a crime, whether he's innocent or guilty, and you know of it, you need to speak up. You know, we know that, you know, that, that, that God desires that, that you know what, that, that the guilty should, should pay for the crime, right? I mean, that's just a consequence of, of the sin. And, and if you're innocent, you shouldn't have to pay for the crime. But we know one thing is that not everybody wants to speak up in truth. People want to withhold the truth. People don't want to talk about the truth. And so, you know what, not everybody comes forth with the evidence. And so here, if someone is guilty, you should speak up. And if someone is innocent, you should speak up. And if you don't do it, he's saying that that's a sin. You know, and for us, sometimes we think about that, right? We think to ourselves, you know what, we don't want to get involved, right? But if you know what is the truth, and they're asking for your help, and they're asking for people to come forth and to share that. We should go forward. You know, that's what he's saying here, that, you know what, well, come forward and talk about it. You know, as we keep moving on, as it talks about, you know, if, if you come in contact with an unclean dead animal, you know, and many of us think to ourselves, you know what, this doesn't happen to us anymore, right? You know what, I know that this, this is something that, you know, as, as, uh, as the Jews were heavy into livestock and, and they used a lot of the livestock and the flock for sacrifices, that this was very relevant to them. And so he says, you know what, if you come in contact with something that is unclean, an animal, and if you want, we, won't, we don't have time for this, but in Leviticus chapter 11, verses 24 through 47, it talks about all the unclean animals. And if you come in contact with any of these, then you know what? You are considered unclean. And there needs to be what? A trespass offering. There needs to be something done to make yourself clean. And then in verse 3, it talks about human uncleanness. You know, and there's times that the Lord said that, you know, that we're considered unclean. And this is in Leviticus 12 through 15. And we don't have time to go there, but I do want to share this with you. That a woman after childbirth, she was considered unclean. Men that, were, that had leprosy were considered, men or women were considered unclean. 
sexual discharge, if it landed on you, you were considered unclean. The emission of semen. If you had meant, if you were for the women during their menstrual discharge, you were considered unclean. And you know what? And I was thinking about that one. I was thinking, you know what? How is that? You know, and, and when we think about it, I don't know if you know this, but you know what? If there is any type of intercourse happening when there is that menstrual discharge, you know, we do know one thing is that, you know what? That you're at a high risk of, 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 of capturing any type of infections. I'm talking about STDs and, and HIV because of the blood. And we know that a lot of people out there live promiscuous lifestyles. And so, you know what? As we look at all of these, there's reasons for this. And, and the Lord has established this so that we understand these things. And, and so, you know what? The only thing that when I look at this, as, as I just think to myself, you know what? There's just things that, that we are to look at and we are to to just know that, you know what, when the Lord says these things not to do them, then we shouldn't be doing them. And then he talks about in verse 4, he talked about speaking thoughtlessly. You know what, when you make a promise or commitment, and you later realize, you know what, I shouldn't have done it, I had other plans, or I can't do this because I already made, an, I have an obligation here. How many of us do this, right? They say, you know what, we need help, or, or can you help us out in doing something? And you're the first one to say, yeah, you know what, I'll be there. And then you don't show up. You know, what, what, what is that? You know, the Lord says, you know what, let our yes be yes and our no's no, right? You know, it's important that if we say we're going to do something to follow through. The Lord is saying right now that when you do this, this is a sin, do we realize this? You know what? Sometimes we talk about it, right? Sometimes we just, you know what? We think that, you know what? Oh, the people will understand, right? You know what? They understand. You know what? We're all busy. You know what? I just happen to say I, I'd be there, but if I don't show up and I don't tell anybody, no big deal. It's a sin. You know why? Because you're not following through with what you say. You've said lies. Your yeses aren't yes and your noes aren't noes. How can you be trusted? And so that's what we have here. And let's keep reading on, or we won't finish this chapter today. Verse 5 goes on to say, And it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed, a female from the flock a lamb or a kid of goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atone, atonement for him concerning his sin. All the things that we mentioned are considered sins before the Lord. And so he says, you know what? If you want forgiveness, if you want a covering of your sin, if you want the Lord to forgive you of this, guess what you have to do? You have to first confess it. That's what he's saying there. He's saying, you know what? You got, you need to confess. He shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. You know what? And some of these things to us don't seem like a big deal, right? But I want us to know one thing that it is a big deal. See, because the Lord doesn't say, you know what? As many of us grew up in certain religions that says, you know what? You have, what were they? Small sins and big sins. What were those things? Mortal sins. Mortal sins. There you go. You have some that are mortal sins. You know what? You have some that are big sins. And you know what? Those are the ones that God is really concerned about, but He's not concerned about the little things. But we need to understand that in James chapter 2, verse 10, He says, that whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. See, for us, you know what? If we think that saying little white lies is okay, you know what? That God's going to understand. You know what? It's not okay. Sin is sin. And sin brings separation. And we don't want to be separated, do we, from the Lord. As Christians, we want to keep walking in truth. See, sin has a way of making us believe that, you know what? That little sins are okay and, and that God doesn't care about these little things. But He does. 
Because no matter what sin we have, there needs to be confession of that sin. All sin must be confessed to the Lord, whether it's small or great. You know, from the beginning, God said, you know what? That there needs to be confession. And he said that there needed to be a sacrifice, an offering. Here he was talking, as he talked about uh, an offering, it was a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of goats. There had to be something that paid the penalty for your sin. And as we look at where we're at today, has it changed? You know, the Old Testament to what he's telling us today? You know, when he tells us today, I want us to turn to Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, he talks about us confessing, making ourselves right to the Lord with the Lord. He says there in verse 9, he says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He talks about that confession. You know, our confession that needs to be made to the Lord. And if you'd want to turn to 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says there, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. See, he was at sacrifice. You know, as he pointed to a lamb or the kid of the goat, he says that that would take away your, that would cover your sin. But when it comes to the Lord, we know that we don't need bulls or goats anymore. That he was that final sacrifice. And the same thing has occurred there, right? There needed to be a sacrifice and there needed to be confession. But what happens to us? Let's think about this. When you sin on a daily basis and you realize that you've sinned, you know what, well, one thing that I, that the Lord has reminded me of, that, you know what, that we need to be confessing our sins to Him. You know what, there's been much sin that has occurred in our lives. And when we realize that we got to be asking His forgiveness. You know, I'm not talking about confession for salvation. That's what we read there in, in Romans chapter 10. But when you sin, you know what, we need to have we need to ask the Lord to forgive us. It's not to be saved, but it is just to ask Him for forgiveness. And I'm going to read to you from 1 John chapter 1. It says in verse 7, But if we walk in the light and He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And he goes on to say in verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, when we walk in this earth, we get dirty. It happens. It's a natural thing. We're not perfect yet. One day we're going to be perfect and we're not going to be sinning anymore. And it's going to be a, a time of just saying amen and hallelujah to the Lord. But during this time when we're in our flesh, when we're in this world, you know, the world continues to throw its, you know, its, its pleasures at you. And, and your flesh is tempting you and saying is, is blinding you and just, you know, uh, deceiving you. And we fall and we sin. You know what? Don't forget to ask the Lord for forgiveness. As he says there, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. But not only that, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. We need a cleansing, don't we? Remember the apostles in the Last Supper? You know, and Peter was there, right? Peter was there, and, and the Lord was washing their feet, and he comes to Peter. And what does Peter say? He says, Lord, you ain't going to wash my feet. And the Lord says, if I don't wash your feet, I have nothing to do with you. See, that's what happens when we walk in this world. Our feet get dirty with sin. We need to allow the Lord to wash us, to cleanse us, right? We've already been bathed, and we know that, right? When we said yes to the Lord the first time, when we opened up our hearts, right? 
When we were like, yes, Lord, come in. I want you, right? He bathed us. We had a complete bathing from head to toe. But we get dirty as we walk in this world. And this is what he's saying right here. He's saying, you know what? You need to be, you need to be cleansed. And so that's what happens. And so, you know, for, for them, you know, as they did these things, this is what they fell into. And they, just as today, they needed confession. Jesus wasn't there yet to sacrifice himself. But at that time, the covering, the atonement for their sins was done through the sacrifice. And so let's keep reading in verse 7. It says, back to uh, Leviticus 5, verse 7, it says, If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord... For his trespass, which he has committed, two turtle doves or two pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first and wring off its head from its neck, but shall not divide it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar and the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering. And he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin which he has committed. And it shall be forgiven him. But if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he who has sinned shall bring for his Offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. Then he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priest as a grain offering. What happened is, you know what? There's poor people, right? And not everybody can afford a lamb or a kid of the goat. So the Lord said, you know what? If you're poor and you can't afford these things, then guess what you can bring? Two turtle doves or two young pigeons. And you know what? One of them was going to be a sin offering. And the second one was going to be a burnt offering. And we've gone over that. You know, and he says he wrings his head and sprinkles the blood on the altar and pours the rest of the uh, blood on the, on the altar burnt offerings. And you know what? And, and this is just was exactly the instructions that he had given them. And so he has this. And, and if they did this, and you know what? The atonement was complete. The sin was covered and the sin was forgiven. But if he can't afford, or if he can't afford, as he says there, the two turtle doves and the young pigeons, if he's extremely poor, then he can bring a tenth of an ephah of fine flour. And what is that? That's two quarts, basically, of fine flour. And he says, you know what, but no oil on it. Why would he, want, why would he not want oil on it? Because oil is a symbol of of, of being sanctified, of being set apart, right? But this is a trespass offering. Remember, the guilt of sin. There is sin in this offering. So you can't put oil on it. Or you can't put frankincense on it, he says either, right? And what does frankincense mean? In Hebrew, it is white, and it means holiness, righteousness. So they said, don't put any of this on this trespass offering, why? Because again, it's holy, right? This isn't, these things are holy. And, and this trespass offering was about sin. It, it was, you know what, it, it was the sin that was transferred upon this animal. But what I love about all of this is that there is no partiality when it comes to the Lord. Whether you're poor or whether you're rich, you still need it to confess, right? He's still, he's not saying you, you can't, you, you, there's not going to be any confession, He's saying, whether you're rich or poor, you're going to confess and there's going to be a type of offering that you must give. And that is to what? To be cleansed, right? To be forgiven. That is that your sin would be covered. And as we talk about these different sins, you know, as we read there that the priest, you know, gets it, he burns it on the altar and the rest of the grain uh, or the ephah, the fine flour was given to him. 
And we've talked about certain sins here, but there's additional sins that we're going to look at. We're going to look at other sins that needed the guilt offering, the trespass offering. And with these sins, there also needed to be restitution. In other words, there needed to be compensation for the sins that we're going to be talking about now. And let's begin to read in verse 14. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So the Lord is saying here, you know what, Moses? I want you to tell the people that whenever there is sin involved, whenever there is sin involved with the holy things of the Lord and there is damage, that you know what? If you want forgiveness, you also need to confess it. You need to have a sacrifice, plus you have to pay restitution. See, and these holy things of the Lord, you know, what are the holy things? You know, we're not given much insight into this, so I could only imagine that, you know what, it could have been offenses that involved the sacrifices of animals, or maybe somebody didn't keep their vows, or, or maybe they didn't celebrate special days, but whatever was, was commanded by the Lord, they broke it. And so they needed to bring a ram without blemish and they needed to bring money to compensate for the offense and that offense he says there you know what when it's against the holy things of the lord it has to be to the shekel of the sanctuary and the shekel to the sanctuary what was that it was 20 gerars and what are 20 gerars it's four tenths of an ounce of silver that is what needed to be given back to the priest and not only that, when they committed a sin against the holy things that needed restitution to pay that money, they also needed to add a fifth. And when we think about that, right? This is like punitive damages, what he's adding to it. See, the Lord is saying, you know what? I want you to add 20% of whatever that, you know, that the, 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 um, the shekel of the sanctuary. I want you to add 20% to that. And why would the Lord want 20% added? Think about this, right? He wants, first of all, he wants his shekel, the sanctuary. And then he says, and I want you to add 20% to that. You know why? Because he wants us to realize that, you know what? When you sin against another, when you sin against God, it's costly. The more it costs, the harder it hurts. The more it hurts, doesn't it? And so it moves us away from sinning against the Lord. And so that's what he's doing here. You know, when we think to ourselves today, right? When we think to ourselves, you know what, this 20% fine. Did you know that today the courts, when you see cases going to court, right? And you think to yourselves, you know what? There's a, an offense that has been made by somebody. It's violated. He's killed somebody or, or he's hurt somebody by what he's done. He has to compensate for that life, right? But on top of that, they add what punitive damages, don't they? And today, some of these punitive damages are beyond the 20%, right? They're millions and millions of dollars sometimes. And the courts have been trying to, what, control that these days. And they've established certain restrictions, but they can't stop it. And so, if they would only follow what the Lord has said, the Lord is perfect in what He says. But it all started from here paying that additional 20% fine. And so when we look at this, you know, we think to ourselves, you know what? It is expensive to sin. You know, I remember when I was younger, and I remember, you know, when I, uh, when I was dr drinking and driving, and I remember I, uh, you know, I hit a car, and I ruined my friend's car, and I ruined the other person's car. And so, you know, the... the the good thing is that my friend's car had insurance and it paid for his car. But I ruined my friend's car. And you know what? And that was expensive. And that was something that, that, you know what? When I was growing up, we were both in, I think we were juniors in high school. 
And I never paid for his car because he said, don't worry about it. But you know what? It was an expensive lesson because after that, too, I tried to get insurance at, with an with a accident at 17, 18 years old. My premium was high. And then I remember I always had an issue with that. I had an issue drinking and driving. I had four accidents, and I finally got a DUI where I was caught because every time I, I was caught, Somehow I sobered up and somehow I emptied out my car and took out the, the, the bottles and the, and the beer cans, right? But I remember the last time I did that, I, you know what? I couldn't hide it. I was just so plastered and I hit this car. But I remember always, you know what? Whenever I would go to the DMV or whenever my insurance was up for renewal, they always reminded me, DUI. Drinking under the influence. You know what? That was something that I, I, you couldn't get rid of that, and that stays on your record. I don't know. How, I mean, it's been a while. That was in my 20s, but I remember that was on my record for a long time, and I was always reminded of it, right? And see, and this is what, you know, I give you this illustration just to remind you of how costly sin is, and this is just with a DUI. I mean, there's other sins that are out there that are that are both physically expensive and also, you know, uh, and also when it comes to relationships and with people. I mean, there's just so many other sins that are out there. But, you know, as we talk about this, as we see how the Lord is reminding us here that, that you know what, that sin is costly. He's trying to remind us, stop it. Don't do it. Don't fall into these things. Don't do the things that you know are contrary to my word. As he keeps reading there, as we keep reading in verse 17. It says, if a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his inequity, and he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering, so the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it, and it shall be forgiven him. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. You know, here, if you break any of the Lord's commands, you were also asked to bring a ram, a ram without blemish, because you were still guilty, it says there, even if you didn't know it. And when I think about this, you know, you think to yourselves that sometimes we've committed sins and we know that our conscience doesn't let us rest. You know, sometimes we may not know it's a sin and we later find out, you know what, it was a sin. And my conscience was telling me it was wrong. And the Spirit of God was telling me and convicting me of that sin. But for them, they didn't have the Spirit of God, right? The Spirit of God was not given to man, not until the day of Pentecost. But prior to that, they had their conscience and they had the laws of the Lord. And they also had to confess. And they also needed to sacrifice the ram. And what I like there is that, you know what? The ram had to be valued by the priest. He had to make sure that, you know what, that the ram that he brought just wasn't a cheap ram. It wasn't a, a ram without blemish. He had to bring one that was perfect, right? And so the priest would examine it to make sure that, you know what, it met the standard that God had laid out. And so we see that here. But one thing that we don't see is we don't see that, you know what, that here he had to make restitution, all we know is that, you know what, that he just had to make the atonement. He had to confess and he had to make the, the, uh, the, the, the sacrifice with the ram. But let's keep going. And we're going to close here. It says here in chapter 6. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping or about a pledge or about a robbery or if he has extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen or the thing which he has extorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value. Again, the restitution. Add one-fifth more to it, 20% fine, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a ram without blemish from the flock, 
with your valuation as a trespass offering, again, making sure it, it is, meets the standards, to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. What we're talking about here is any violation of other people's property. See, he says, if you sin against your neighbor by embezzling, by stealing, by extorting, by withholding what belongs to them, you need to confess it. You need to confess it and you need to bring a ram without blemish. You need to compensate for the loss and you need to pay the 20% fine. And then your sin will be forgiven. See, and so when we think about these, we think to ourselves, you know what? These things are costly. You know, the Lord wanted them to realize, you know what? Sin, you know what? The sin does. You know, the wages of sin are great. And we know for ourselves, right? We know that the wages of sin is what? Is death. You know, one thing that we know about the Lord and, and the NIV translation of Isaiah 53.10, it says that God made His Son a guilt offering. So in other words, what we're talking about right now, the trespass offering, the guilt offering, this is what Isaiah says that God has made in Jesus. See, this is what Jesus has done for us. See, when we have sin and the guilt of our sin, Jesus has paid the price for it. He's that sacrifice, right? There's nothing old anymore. You know what? He has paid its penalty. And that's what's so amazing about our Lord is the price is paid. We don't have to pay any more for it. It's done. See, the wages of sin is death, and the Lord has paid that by His life that He sacrificed for us, and He took away its penalty, which was death for us. And He says to those that believe right in Him, what does He say? That the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, this is a gift that we have. See, the gift offering that we have is Jesus Christ, and He gives us eternal life. And this comes through repentance and through what He has paid, the restitution that He has paid. You know what? This is why when we study the Word, when we look at what we have here, you know what? It all points to the Lord. Everything that is in the Old Testament, it all speaks of Jesus Christ. And I keep reminding you that so that we understand that everything here points to the Lord. And that's why we study it. We study it word by word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And we can see for ourselves that, you know what, that it all speaks of Him. You know, and what's so amazing about our Lord is that while we were still sinners, when we wanted nothing to do with Him, He still died for us. He sacrificed himself. He was that guilt offering. That is what the Lord does for us. And you know what? In closing, I want to read about the Lord's love. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31. See, the Word of God all points to His love for you and for me. You know, the Word of God reminds us of His great love. And it says in verse 31, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. No one can bring a charge against us anymore. As we read on Sunday, when it came to Joshua, the high priest, you know, in Zechariah, as he writes about it, right? You know, as Satan is there accusing Joshua, the high priest, of all of his sins. And the Lord says, no, take off his dirty clothes and put on clean clothes on him. See, this is what the Lord does with us. Even though we've sinned, all the horrible, horrific things that you have said, that you have spoken, 
that you have thought, that you have done, the Lord forgives us. And it's so awesome to know that, you know what? That as he forgives us, he opens up his arms and the gates of heaven for us to enter in. See, this is God's grace. None of you or me deserve any of this, but yet he freely gives it to us. None of us deserve the love of Christ, but yet he freely gives it. And that's why he sent his son to restore fellowship between God and man. Let's keep reading in verse 34. It says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing, anything in this world cannot separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what he paid for us. You know, why do we return to the vomit that we came out of? You know, why do we go back to that pit that we came out of? You know, think about that, right? As we've been talking about getting dirty, right? You know what? None of us, if we know everything that God has done for us and all the spiritual blessings that he's given you and me, every single one of us are filled with the blessings of God. We have the Spirit of God, God himself, living and dwelling in us. As a dog returns to his, old to his, old, to his vomit, as a pig goes back into the pit. Why do we go back and sin? You know, God desires that we would not go back to that lifestyle. That's what separated us from the beginning. And he died and he paid the penalty for us. And he gives us his spirit. When you yield to the spirit of God, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, he made alive that which was dead, alive in him. For us as a people of God, let us desire righteousness and holiness and purity, all the things that God desires in us. You know, many people say, but I can't do it. You're right, you can't do it. You can never do it. But the spirit of God that dwells in you can do it for you. He gives us the power over sin. You know, and this is what the Lord says. You know what? I leave. I leave to give you a helper. See, because he can't be with us anymore. When he left the earth in his ascension, he says, you know what? I'm going I'm to send down the Spirit of God so he could dwell in you, so he could be magnified in and through you as you yield to him. You know, that sacrifice that the Lord did, it was for all of our sins. He was that guilt offering. We should no longer be guilty of any sins. You know, those sins that we've done in the past, when we came to know the Lord, we became those new creations. All things became brand new. You know, the things of the past are gone. Let us not bring to life that old man. There's no reason to bring them to life. But there's a reason to yield to the Spirit. You know, to just love the Lord as He desires to be loved. You know, to give Him all that we have. You know what, and as we give Him all that we have, we see the wonderful works of God in and through our lives. You know, He's the one that deserves all glory and honor. And I pray as as the Lord is moving, as His Spirit is moving in this place and His Spirit is moving in and through our lives, God is doing a glorious work in and through us. God is going to do a glorious work in and through this church plant. And the Lord, as we saw, as we read, as we shared with the men, He looks to and fro throughout the earth looking for hearts that are loyal to Him. 
because he wants to show himself strong through us. See, this is what the Lord is looking for, loyal hearts sold out for him, and you will see the marvelous works of God working in and through us. The Spirit of God is leading this church, and we need to yield to him, and we need to yield to our Lord who is ahead of this church. May God be glorified in and through our lives. You know what? God brings healing, and God brings deliverance, and God loves us, and God wants to be glorified through us. With that, let us close. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for, for your word, Lord, as we've been going through all the offerings, Lord, and how each one of them pointed to you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for just your glorious word, Lord. May we live by it, Lord. Lord, may we not be a people, Lord, that, that stumble and fall, Lord. May we be a people loyal and sold out for you, Lord. Lord, I love you. And I know that the people that are here love you too, Lord. That's why they come here, Lord. They want to hear from you, Lord. They don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you, Lord. And that's why we go through your word, Lord. Because we know that your word is alive. And it speaks to us, Lord. It cuts to the heart. If there's anyone here, there's anyone here that just wants to make things right with the Lord. You know, as I've just been sharing about just how we get dirty in this world. And there needs to be confession of our sin. You know what that sin that you've been doing is. If you want to confess it to the Lord, raise your hand. And we'll pray for you. And just give it to him. Is there anyone here that wants to do this? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lord, you saw these hands that went up, Lord. They just want to confess, Lord. They want to make things right with you, Lord. They want to be cleansed of all unrighteousness, Lord. Lord, as your word says, you want to wash their feet, Lord. Lord, that's what you're doing with them. You're washing their feet, Lord. Lord, may they continue, Lord, to be a people that yearn after holiness and righteousness. After you, Lord, to do as your word says, Lord, not as, what they, not as they want, but as you want, Lord. May they yield to your spirit, Lord. And may you be glorified, Lord, in and through them, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the things that you have spoken to us today about, Lord. Lord, may we remember these things. May we meditate on them, Lord. May we chew on them, Lord. And Lord Jesus, may you... Just be glorified, Lord. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.